The parable of the rich fool. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge over or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Then he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have nowhere to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you've got plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded of you. Then you will get what you have prepared for yourself. This is how it will be with whoever stores up these things for himself, but is not rich towards God. This is the word of the Lord. So we pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word to us in the Bible. And Lord, we pray, come Holy Spirit and breathe life into your word. I pray that you speak to each one of us in our hearts. And we pray that in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. This morning, we're going to begin looking at the teaching of Jesus in the Beatitudes. And it's common for people to say, even if they're not Christians, that the teaching of Jesus in the Beatitudes is the most wonderful teaching ever on ethics. And then they often go on to say, it's a shame Christians can't live like that. Jesus says, says things like, blessed are the meek, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the peacemakers. And if you've come here this morning and you think, actually, in my heart of hearts, Jesus, I know I'm not like that. I know I'm not meek. I know I'm not merciful. I, I know I'm certainly not pure in my heart. I'm not a peacemaker. You might even have had an argument before church this morning. If that's you, then this is for you this morning. Jesus is speaking to those who know they haven't got their lives sorted. Jesus is speaking to those who know they need him. In the Sermon on the Mount, um, in Matthew 5 to 7, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And these are the men and the women who've heard Jesus' call to follow him, and they've said yes, they do it. Jesus says in Matthew 4:17, "Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near." Jesus is calling people to leave their old way of life 
and to follow him and lead a completely different way of life. And at the beginning of Matthew 5, we see Jesus going up on a mountainside and he's speaking to these disciples, the people who've decided to follow him. And what we see there in the Sermon on the Mount is what some people call his manifesto of the kingdom. What is it going to be like to be a follower of Jesus? What is it going to involve? And it's important for us to to realize that Jesus is not speaking to the crowd. He's not speaking to everybody out there who hasn't made that decision to follow him. This is personal. It's personal. It's about lifestyle as followers of Jesus. It's about a lifestyle where we're transformed by the Holy Spirit to become more and more like Jesus. So we're transformed our hearts, our characters, the way we live our lives. And it's a lifestyle where we choose to follow Jesus step by step by step each day. We're going to look at the first beatitude this morning in Matthew 5.3. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. All of the beatitudes start with the word blessed. And blessed can mean happy. And these are the way, Jesus is saying, into a happy life, a full life, a good life. John, the Gospel of John, John talks about Jesus saying, the way into an abundant life. This is the way into a good, happy, full life with Jesus. And you've probably noticed that each of the Beatitudes is followed by a result or a, or a reward. Um, So in the first beatitude, the result or the reward of being poor in spirit is that we experience the kingdom of heaven. And those results or rewards are not things that we earn. They're not things that we strive for. They're things that we receive as gifts of God's grace. God is generous. He delights to give them to us. And as we follow Jesus, the kingdom of God will flourish in our lives more and more. We'll become more and more the people God has created us to be. Our characters will take on more and more of the fruit of the Spirit, things like love and joy and kindness. And we'll flourish in our relationships with God, but also in our families, in our workplace, that life of God will spill over into our relationships and into our communities as we serve Jesus. Our country is going through a time of huge, huge challenges in the social and political sphere at the moment. There's Brexit, but there's so much more. How can we flourish as children of God, as we follow Jesus, so that the life of Jesus and his kingdom can overflow from us into our communities and into our nation. Well, let's look at what Jesus says. So firstly, we're going to look at the poor in spirit. What did Jesus mean? Who are 
the poor in spirit. To understand what Jesus is talking about, we need to go back into the Old Testament. And as we read through the Old Testament scriptures, we see a constant theme. God is concerned for the poor, the literal poor, those who are in material need. So often in Israel, the scriptures tell us that the poor were exploited by the rich and the powerful. And their only hope and their only defender was God. So in Psalm 34, 6, the psalmist says this, This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his trouble. And because of this background of the poor crying out to God, the poor in Scripture came to mean those who are humble, those who depend on God in their lives, those who know that God is the one who's going to save them. We see this in Isaiah. So in Isaiah 41, 17, Isaiah says this, the poor and needy search for water, but there is none. Their tongues are parched with thirst, but I, the God of Israel, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. So in the Sermon on the Mount, God is speaking to his disciples from this Old Testament background. To be poor in spirit means that we know we're totally dependent on God. We're totally dependent on him for our salvation in the first place when we become Christians. As Paul says in Ephesians 2.8, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It's a gift from God. We come into relationship with Jesus as our Lord and our Savior and our King through the grace and mercy of God, not because of what we've done. But more than that, more than that, to be poor in spirit is to be totally dependent on God in every single aspect of our lives. It's a life of humility. It's a life where little by little, it doesn't happen overnight, little by little, we move from independence to dependence on Jesus. And that is not the way of the world. Our culture says we can improve ourselves and pretty much everything else through our own efforts whether it's through education, our intelligence, our social contacts, our, our, you know, through really trying hard, through um, reading self-help books, through light, watching lifestyle videos. And, and Jesus understands the pull of the world and the pull of our culture. And he told that story, which Sue read us in Luke 12. And that helps us, and we're going to look at that. Jesus was telling this story in response to a man in the crowd. And this man came up to Jesus and he asked him to settle an inheritance dispute with his brother. Jesus looks at the man's heart. He can see what's going on inside. And he can see that this man is thinking, if he can get this sorted, if he can get this money then his life is going to be sorted. He's going to have a good life, a happy life, a life of ease. 
And can we be tempted to think like that? That if we get that pay rise, if we get the bigger house, the better car, if our parents gave us some money, they've got lots of it, why don't they give some to us? If we got that next thing, is that going to make me happy? Is that going to um, be sorted, get my life sorted? And Jesus gives us a stark warning even before he starts the story. He says, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And when Jesus says, watch out, we need to. So Jesus then goes on to tell the story. And it's a story that lots of us are going to know really well. There was a man, a rich man already, and, and he had land and his farm produced a huge crop. And there was so much grain that he couldn't fit it into his existing barns. So he decided to tear down the barns, build new ones, and to um, put, all, put it in it. And he, and he, and he thinks to himself, what, what's it going to be like? And he thinks this, I'll say to myself, you've got plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. And he imagined putting his feet up having the good life. And there's no indication in the story that he thought of sharing his good fortune with anybody else. It was totally self-centered. And then Jesus comes in with these chilling words. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? He's going to die and he can't take his wealth with him. And Jesus ends the story by saying this, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Jesus started the story by saying, life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. But our culture says, yes, it does. Our society says life is about the clothes you wear, the house you live in, the car you drive, the holidays you take, the phone you use. And we can value one another by these things. We can compare ourselves with one another. We can get our security and our self-worth from these things from the money that we have, the possessions, the lifestyle that they buy. But deep, deep down, deep down in our hearts, we know that these things don't satisfy. Deep, deep down, we long for that full and happy and, and a life of meaning. And it's that hunger that hunger can lead us to Jesus. And that's the poverty of spirit that Jesus is talking about, which says, I need you, Jesus. I can't do this by myself. Please come into my life as my king. We ask Jesus to come into our life as our king when we first become Christians. But to be poor in spirit means that we know that we need him every hour 
of every day. And that we need to walk with him every step of the way. So that's to be poor in spirit. But Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So what's, what's the kingdom of heaven? So we looked at this a few weeks ago. And, and Matthew uses that expression in at least three different ways. He uses it to refer to God's ultimate sovereignty. God made our world. We're celebrating that this morning. God, God is our creator. The world belongs to him. The earth belongs to him. We belong to him. And he's ultimately sovereign. But not everybody recognizes that at the moment. The second way Matthew speaks of it, to speak of the realm where Jesus is acknowledged as king. When Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near, he's calling his listeners to enter into that kingdom and to become followers of him and children of our heavenly father. And the third way that Matthew uses it is for the time when God's will be exactly the same as it is in heaven. And that's what we pray for in the Lord's Prayer. And we're also part of God's plan. If you're, a follower, if you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus, we're part of God's plan to advance the kingdom right here and now so that more and more people come under the blessing of knowing God as their father. So when Jesus says, to the poor in spirit, that theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does he mean? Jesus is offering the poor in spirit, the rich, the full, the abundant life that our hearts long for as we walk with him as our king. Last weekend, I went to um, uh, away for the weekend to a glorious farm in Buckinghamshire with a group of other Christians. And, and this place is the, um, the base of a charity which reaches out to local families and to local schools. And the main, the main reason for um, us gathering there was to worship God and to pray for our nation. On the um, Saturday afternoon, it was, it was a beautiful sunny day, and there were various seminars in some of the barns and things. Um, but the estate manager called Jason was going to lead a prayer walk, and I decided to go on this prayer walk. And the, the, and the farm was so beautiful. There was, um, it's in a valley with meadows, fields, there's a river running through it, there's a, a beautiful lake. The fish were literally jumping out of the lake. It was utterly idyllic. And it was um, a silent prayer walk. And the idea was that... Um, as we walked along, it's about one and a half hours, that we, we listened to God and, um, and we could pray to him in our hearts. So Jason led it, and at, and at various um, points, he'd stop and he'd um, read um, something from the Bible and he'd speak, he'd speak about um, things that God had spoken to him about in those places over the years. And... What really struck me on that walk more than anything else was Jason's life. How his everyday working life on that farm, and it wasn't just farm work, it was um, having a school's visit and managing the place and contractors. You know, everyday life, everyday life, 
He was walking it with Jesus. He was dependent on Jesus. There was something really beautiful about his life. And there was no sense that somehow he'd constructed this. You know, I could have led that prayer walk, but, but there was no sense he'd constructed that walk for us. He was just speaking out of his everyday life with Jesus in that place. And I knew I was going to be speaking this Sunday on what it meant to be poor in spirit. And I felt God was showing me a man who truly was walking it out. His, his whole life, all his decisions were dependent on Jesus. At one stage, we got to um, a field, and it was a 30-acre field. And, and the, the, in the previous year, it had been down to barley, and it had been cleared now, and it was ready for the new crop. And he just spoke um, about praying about that decision. And it, it's very uncertain for farmers at the moment because of Brexit and what's going to be happening. And just, just, just all the troubles and tribulations that he goes through, totally dependent on Jesus. And I thought, I want to be more like that. I want to grow in being dependent on Jesus and walking with him every hour of my life. When we become Christians, when we enter the kingdom of God for the first time, we become new creations. We're born again. Peter says in 2 Peter 1.3, God's power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And Paul says in Ephesians 1.3, we've been blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. But we're not perfect. Far from it. I'm certainly not perfect. We're called to a life of walking with Jesus. This is personal. This is personal. It's a life of intimacy. It's an invitation to share God's heart. Jesus calls on us to depend on him for everything we need, for the love and comfort and security as children of our Heavenly Father. Nobody else can give you that love and comfort that you need and that security where you're freed up to love other people and not always be searching to get something for yourself. We need Jesus in our relationships, in our families, with our friends, in our workplace. We need Jesus for our material needs, for our food, our homes, our jobs. We need him for our transformation of our characters. We need him for the strength we need to reach out to others who don't yet know Jesus with the love of God and to be part of his plan to advance his kingdom, whether it's praying for someone to be healed or telling them the good news about Jesus. And our part is to walk with Jesus day by day, moment by moment, depending on him. And we're going to face opposition if we do that. The enemy of our souls, Satan, is going to oppose us. And the world and its culture can mock us. And some of us will face persecution. But in our country today, the biggest threat to us is not persecution. It is for Christians in many parts of the world, but not for us in Britain at the moment. The biggest threat to us is indifference. 
We can do the right things. We can go to church. We can read our Bibles. We can do good works. But what about our hearts? How much of my life is dependent on Jesus day by day? How much of your life is dependent on Jesus day by day? The danger for us is we can be like the members of the church in Laodicea that Jesus writes to in Revelation 3. Jesus called them lukewarm. He says this in Revelation 3.17, You say I'm rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I don't know about you, but I don't want Jesus to say that to me. And Jesus wasn't writing to unbelievers in Laodicea. He was writing to Christians. It's possible for us to become Christians, but functionally to live our lives independently of Jesus, to live in the same old way, relying on our own strength, valuing the things the world values, and living independently of Jesus. But the wonderful thing with Jesus is that every single day, he offers us the opportunity to come back to him. And maybe that's you this morning, that you know you've walked away from Jesus. You've been, you've been going your own way, but today is the day to come back to him. Maybe you know, though, you love Jesus, but there's a part of your life where you haven't invited him in as your king. Our lives are a bit like a house, and when we become Christians, we, we open the front door and say, come on in, Jesus. But we can keep some rooms in the house firmly locked, and we don't allow Jesus in. But gradually, gradually, Jesus knocks on the door of every area of our life, and we have an opportunity to let him in as our king. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe you haven't yet trusted Jesus in that area of your life. Everything we have comes from God. He is so generous, and he calls us as his children to be generous too. Nothing I've said about the poor in spirit can take away from God's heart for the poor and the needy. God has a special place in his heart for the poor and the needy. And we've, we've been um, giving our harvest gifts this morning, but maybe God is touching your heart to find out ways that you can give more to the poor and the needy. But Jesus might be knocking on the door of another area of your life. Over the next weeks, we're going to have more teaching into the Beatitudes. And I'd invite you to open your hearts to the Holy Spirit and and, and really listen to see which areas of our lives, I'm speaking to myself here, he's knocking on at the moment. It could be our finances, our relationships, our work. Jesus wants to be king of all our lives. And when we do that, sometimes it can be so difficult to open their door, that door, so difficult. But actually, it's only when we open that door and Jesus comes in, that we can experience the fullness, the life, the joy, that abundant life that Jesus gives. 
And best of all, as we do that, as we open those doors, we get closer to Jesus. We experience more and more of his love. And this will overflow from us. It will spill out of us. And we'll have the joy of being co-workers with Christ and being part of the advance of his kingdom. I'd like to pray. So would you like to stand? I just want to pray um, for all of us. So um, I'd love Jesus to touch each of our hearts. So if, if you want to, you can place the hands on your heart if you want to. Um, if you want Jesus to, to, to speak into your heart. Lord Jesus, thank you that you said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Lord, thank you that you come to bring fullness of life, a good life, a happy life with you. And Lord Jesus, thank you that you call us to open the door to not only our life, but our, each part of our life to you as king. And Lord, I pray for each one of us that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you will show us the doors that you want us to open. And Lord, give us a hunger for you, a thirst for you. Show us that we are poor and needy, that we need you. And Lord, thank you that when we open the door, you always come in. We praise you, Jesus, our King. Thank you for every way you work in our hearts and in our lives. And we pray that your love will overflow from us, spill out of us into our families, our friendships, our communities, and into our nation. In the name of Jesus, amen.